What's up? We're live. I hope everyone's doing good on this Sunday. You know, uh, I try to go live every weekday, but my uh, I've been just kind of getting situated a little better around here, and I'm working on a new website, trying to get that out. So today, uh, we're going to have a great guest on. Ben with a pen will be joining us, and he's basically stumbled upon targeting and gang stalking operations he's going to talk about. Um, and, you know, I've covered these things in the past, um, you know, to, to the point of where I've spoken with um, for like a year straight uh, and worked with essentially because he was writing articles for IntelliHub, uh, a CIA targeting officer. And so later on, I'm going to pull up some CIA paperwork and it talks about targeting officers. It talks about technical targeting analysts. We're going to look at some CIA targeting videos and take a look at their income and stuff if people don't think that targeting operations are real and gang stalking and a lot of times it's done through privatized firms it's not necessarily our government it's our government hiring out or the elite use these firms to actually gang stock people and run operations upon them so we got ben with a pen joining us how's it going ben welcome to the show man Good. How are you? Good, brother. Uh, Good. No, I figure this will be a great uh, way to inform the listeners about some of these operations. You've been through an awful lot. And, you know, um, later in the broadcast, I'll, I'll display some stuff and we'll check out some of the stuff so that it kind of gives credence to what you're saying. Um, right. It doesn't want to believe this type of stuff, but when <clears throat> kind of give you the floor and you can just take your time and kind okay. of just your story and lay it out you know tell us a little bit about yourself how however you want to do it and, okay uh, yeah lay it yeah. out ben yeah sounds a, good you can follow um, me on instagram ben with a pen all one word oh yeah yeah follow me on instagram ben with a pen i'm posting up all my new artwork on there um a lot of old artwork it's interesting because i've like been going through the timeline of all this bullshit that i've been through and it's like it's like I've had to check my Instagram like, oh, I drew this in this month and I posted this in this month. And this is when this was happening. And so, you know, piecing this all together, it all gets smashed um, into like one long process of like just bad experience after bad experience. So mm. some pretty heavy. But um, so I guess I'll just kind of start like I'm from northwest Montana. It's a place called the Flathead Valley. It's comprised of basically four small towns in the valley, Kalispell, Whitefish, Big Fork, Columbia Falls. Columbia Falls would be kind of northeast heading into Glacier Park. Um, Whitefish would be to the west of that. Kalispell would be like the main hub. And then um, Big Fork's like right by Flathead Lake. So this is kind of the main area where a lot of this cold is happening. Super cold in the winter for sure, yeah. Um, yeah, pretty nasty <laughs> growing up when it's like, you know, negative 40 with the windshield or whatever. And, um, okay, so back in like 2012, I got some notes that I wrote down here. So I'll be checking those if I look away. But um, 
so like back in like 2012 or 2013, I started going to the community community college in Kalispell's Flathead Valley Community College, taking some graphic design classes. And I met this dude there um, who I later found out was an informant. I'm going to do my best not to use his name. I'm going to have to go back and edit a little bit if, if I do slip up, but I'm going to try not to. Um, so I met this kid. We ended up being friends. Like it was interesting because at the time, like a lot of people, a lot of my close, close friends that I'm still close with mm -hmm. were like, this guy's weird. He's like fucked up. And he was doing weird stuff. Like he was always littering. He was always stealing. He's just like pretty reckless going and hanging out with bums for no reason. Like th these are kind of the things, but you know, we clicked and I'm pretty like, I I'm friendly, you know, like if someone's cool, they're cool. And so I just like, you know, we got to be pretty close. Um, Fast forward a little bit, you know, he started dating this girl. Um, I ended up moving up to Whitefish from Kalispell to Whitefish. And he didn't move up to Whitefish till later. And that's probably like 2014, 2015, right in there. Um, this girl that he dated, I ended up dating after. And so, you know, there was like an element of jealousy within all of this. Um, she was like super abusive to me, like really fucked me up. Um, her and I would party. So most of my twenties, I was very sober, like maybe drinking alcohol, getting drunk maybe once or twice a month, no weed, no hard drugs. I mostly just like drink a lot of caffeine, smoked a lot of cigarettes. So in my later twenties or partying with her, it's like kind of new. To me. So I'm not like in full addiction mode at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, just to kind of clarify, but she was super abusive. You know, she had a rough childhood. Um, she took a lot of that out on me. It was just very messy, horrible, bad experience. We ended up breaking up. So, and then the guy she was originally dating, him and I remained friends during all of this, which I thought he was okay with, but I was just like very naive, you know, pretty insensitive to me. I like, don't feel great about that. Um, and I never really got a chance to like apologize to him about that. I probably never will because I prefer not to talk to him. But so her and I break up and like towards the end of this breakup is I started taking Adderall. So I've got ADHD. My mom tells me I should have been prescribed it when I was younger. And it just kind of clicks into place. It's like, I need quick relief um, as a coping mechanism after all this trauma and abuse that I dealt with. And so that's my escapism. I'd take Adderall and I would draw. I'd take Adderall and draw. You know? So this is probably about 2015. During this, this we'd broken up early 2015. I started working at this um, um this place called the lodge. It's a hotel. It's like a big five-star hotel. They rent the once a year around 4th of July, they rent it all out. All these celebrities go there. It's kind of weird. Cause they have all these Ukrainian chicks that come in as like, um, um, like housekeepers and stuff. And, um, <clears throat> they're, it's just like a crazy place. Like they have a big drug problem within that place. I'm taking Adderall. I'm getting there at seven in the morning, staying up all night. I'm drawing. I make, make a pretty cool group of friends. Um, the one buddy who later turned out to be an informant, he, he is not really in this circle of friends. When I'm partying with a group of friends, we all just hang out, make art, take drugs. And about at this time, I like start getting into ecstasy a little bit because like mm -hmm. a friend of a friend knew someone that had some. Mm -hmm. And so I would pick it up for me and my friends to party. Like we go party, but it wasn't like, I didn't feel like a drug dealer necessarily. I wasn't trying to earn money off of this. Yeah. I would pick it up. We'd go party. But then, like, the informant guy introduced me to this dude. And um, he, like, wanted to buy 20, 20 of them. And I was, like, nervous. And I'm like, what? 
and so I just went through with it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and uh, that was a, the biggest fucking mistake. But you got to remember, like, the first guy, like, introduced me to this dude. So they're kind of in on this whole thing as informants together. Maybe one's a cop and the other one's an informant. I'm not sure, really. I never really found out that my yeah. suspicions. But um, he picks it up and, like, around this time, the informant guy invites his friend up um, from Iowa and we're like doing coke together, you know, and he tells me that they're informants. I'm like, but he tries right. to play it off like a joke. Right. Damn. And I'm like, I got a lot of drugs around me at the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so what the hell? Like he, he tells me, yeah, we're both informants. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm like, so if you weren't playing, like what's going on? He's like, well, we're informants. And like, that's why he had to move up here to begin with. Uh, Cause he got in some drug in trouble with drugs back in Iowa. And I was like, I was like, so are you serious or not? He's like, no, I'm just playing. I'm like, so what, what are you guys up here looking for? Like, are, am I in trouble or something? And he's like, no, we're not looking for anyone like you. And I'm like, well, what do you mean then? And he's like, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And I'm like, so who are you looking for? And he's like, we're looking for human traffickers, drug, um, uh, gun runners, gun runners, and, um, meth and heroin dealers. It's weird too. I've heard um, people involved in targeting operations and gang stalking operations. They were involved in fast and furious operations. As what well. is that? When they were like running guns across the border or something. Oh yeah. Something like that. I can't remember the whole thing. Right. Um, I'll try to pull it up later, but uh, yeah, I don't know how that tie. It's weird that I've uh, bumped into that before to where. Yeah. Uh, people involved in targeting operations were like really interested in these gun running operations too. Mm. Yeah, well, they probably they probably confiscate them and resell them. Mm-hmm. That you know, that's my that's what I think. I think that's a lot of what they're doing. Right. So, you know, informant B tells me that him and informant A are informants. I just sold this other guy that he had introduced me to for 20 pills of ecstasy. Strong, clean. He came back and told me it was clean. He said he tried one. He said he gave his room, his other female roommate one. Then they enjoyed it. So, and you know, I got, now I'm super suspicious. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, I gave, I sold you 20. You did two. Where'd the other 18 go? This is in my head. Plus they're telling me the informant. It's like, am I going to prison? Like this is, a fucked up situation, but yeah. I'm like, per- I'm a little naive. It's like, these people are my friends. I knew the one guy for two years. Uh-huh. I mean, cl- we were close friends. I mean, we were hanging out daily, um, giving each other advice, like kind of just going through life, giving each other jobs. You know, he got me a job at Best Buy. I later got him a job at the lodge. Do you think those two were working together for a while or? Well, so the guy that I got the job and that I had met at the school, um, we'll just call him Jake. Um, he, he came up from Iowa and he, at one point invited his buddy, um, John up to Montana and John is the one that, um, <clears throat> he, he's the one that told me they were informants. So they knew on each other from high school. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, so they're they were both old school. They're kind of just Midwestern, like you know, the one's a football player, the other one's kind of a I don't know, redheaded 
goofball kind of, but I mean, not, you know, I, he's like, he's just, they're kind of have like in a more aggressive, like tough guy way of going about life, you know, getting into fights, showing off for chicks, being flashy with their money, these kinds of things. Um, and that's just not my vibe. It's like not my personality at all. But, um, so 2015, I'm like, I'm partying a lot. I dealt with a lot, taking a lot of ecstasy. I'm pretty much drawing, taking Adderall weekend, taking ecstasy. Um, and this goes on like all the way from like the middle of 2015 summer into, um, winter 2015. But on the, on on the 20, I oh, would see January 1st. So it's like New Year's Eve. I'm like, this is it. I'm drawing the line. Like no more ecstasy, slow down on the drugs. Like I got to get my shit together. Like I didn't have time to, you know, a lot of stuff happened with that chick that I dated. And like, I ended up like getting kicked out of school because she was like harassing me in the school. And like, it messed up like all my plans of the future to like finish school and like get a job, like become a graphic designer. Like that all went to shit. And I just started partying a bunch. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, January 1st, 2016, I'm getting it together. And we're selling drugs, uh, way less Adderall, just find a job and hold it down and, um, kind of move on from this. That was my plan, you know, but then like come February, but I noticed my car starts getting a leak. I'm like, I'm like, why is this leaking oil? Like I take care of this car religiously. You know, it's like an old 94 Subaru legacy the turbo in it. So I just really liked the car. It's easy mm -hmm. to work on. It was cheap. It was paid off cheap to insure and just pretty fun, you know? And, um, it gets a leak and I'm like, the hell? So I'm like, I, I keep filling it with oil, filling it with oil about this time. I find a job landscaping and, um, like the second weekend of landscaping, I, uh, my head gaskets flow. Some of those old Subarus, the head gaskets go. Yep. And I guess I'll take one step back here. After I was told they were informants and I had sold this E to this guy that I think is an undercover cop, uh -huh. um, <clears throat> um, they started to like make jokes about it. They like thought it was funny to like mess with me or like to like joke about being informants. Like, Ooh, are we, aren't we, you know, or are we, or aren't we, you know, like kind of like, like saying something that's probably true in a joking way, just to like fuck with my head. The uh, like, knowing that they were or yeah 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 they knew uh -huh. that they were too yeah exactly Just, they thought it was funny you know like sometimes like I'll, I'll give you an example i have tons of these little examples but about when my car started losing oil um i was like man it's so weird like i feel like my um head gas is blue like overnight like it's it's like it's like the leak just sprung and then overnight my car was ruined and the undercover cop guy was like, he's just, he's like, yeah, man, it's almost like someone's sabotaging them. Like That's he just says, yeah. He like tells me this. They will There's another time. Huh? Your vehicle, you know, they'll that, come. And yeah. also that um, causes what they like to do too is not only can that, put you in a bad situation it drains you financially bad yeah. quick right. yeah um that that's kind of the goal and i kind of had wondered if like they had thought that i was like competition because i was selling weed 
kind of just scraped by until I got this job landscaping. So I thought maybe that was, but also I thought maybe they were trying to like inform on me and like put me in prison. There's right. a, lot, a lot going through my head and I can't really tell people about it, but some friends believe me like, Hey, this group of people, their own informants and undercover cops. And some okay. people I had introduced them to were like, no, they're not like, you're making this up. You've lost your mind. You're on drugs. And from uh, my perspective, it's like, no, they told me that they were, they gave it. me hints that they were. Mm -hmm. And, um, okay. So 2016, well, I'll give you one other example. One time I was like, I feel like someone's like hacking my phone or something. Like someone's watching my phone. Like who, who would be doing that? And the undercover cop guy, it turns me out of the corner of his, of his mouth and he's like, FBI. And I was uh -huh. just like, what? Like he just flat out said it. And later when I asked him about it, he like, he was, he was like, I said that? Cause you know, they're smoking a lot of weed. All these guys smoked a ton of weed. So I think they just thought it was funny, but they saw me as a friend. They just thought it was funny to mess with me. But like at the same time, like they're, they're, you know, wolves are in shoes clothing, you know, movie total snakes with uh, Denzel Washington training. Yeah. Day. And he's yeah. like, good narcotics officer will always have narcotics in your, in their system. And he gives that. Yeah. To you. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the car breaks down. And um, because of this, I, I miss my a day at work. So like, they weren't very happy about that. And they have like a, a limit of like two, they have a policy of two strikes and you're fired. So I missed the first, the second week I'm there. Um, I missed the first, the second Monday that I'm there because my car, because they tampered with my car. My whole goal was I'm going to get a job, stop moving weight. I'm just like going to lay off the drugs and just have a good summer. Mm -hmm. And just, it, I'm trying to just reintegrate back into society. Okay. Right. This is not how it played out. Um, the following Monday, you know, I start paying my buddy to start working on the car. You know, and this whole time too, I'm noticing like sometimes the door, the front door is unlocked, the back door is unlocked. Sometimes it's like shit's left open, like people coming and going. But um, okay, so car, car breaks down. The following week, I'm going. Um, this chick I was seeing at the time was gonna give me a ride to work in the morning. Uh huh. <laughs> and um. We were taking this back road over to like the landscaping business and it, there's like a sharp, like 90 degree turn We're coming around. We didn't even come around it. We're going like 45 and like the sun's coming up over these trees and she just hits the gas and we like launch through uh, like a ditch. We go up, we like launch off of this ditch going like 60 and then high center, all these trees. Just yeah. boom, and it creates this type of concussion where your brain's moving too fast forward and it keeps going, but your skull stops. So, so we're out there. Her car is total, total. She doesn't have insurance. We're just fucked. My 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 hip muscle ripped in half. My whole spine because of the way my muscle grows in my back. It, it all swiveled to the left side of my back, and it pulled so hard that it ripped my hip on the right side in half. Oh, so I couldn't even really walk. Right. We get a we get a hold of some friends. They give me a ride. They give us a ride back. She's all messed up too. Um, she doesn't have insurance, so now I can't even work. So I missed two weeks in a row at work. And in my head, I'm like, did they mess with her car too? Like, uh -huh. no, I was gonna get this job, but and and like during this, it was just when I reflect upon these incidences. Well, let me get through this next instance, and then I'll. I'll the following week, I'm right back to selling drugs. I can't get a job. I don't have a car. Her car broke down. 
I'm like totally fucked and I still got to make rent. I can't just like have it's a like messed up leg. Uh, shit going on. Like, huh? like a string of events keeps going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so then the next week though, it's like I'm back in this situation and then my dad gets murdered. Oh, shit. So it's just like this serious, like emotional trauma, just boom, 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 like right in a row. And when that happened, I just kicked into overdrive taking pills. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just kind of how it went. I mean, it's a coping mechanism. It's quick relief. You know, I can't afford anything. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm struggling to get by. Mm-hmm. Walking is like, I really couldn't walk for quite a while. The way I was limping because my hip, if your muscle rips on your hip, it can't pull your leg up in a way that you're used to while you're walking. So you drag your foot a little. This is what happened to me. Oh, so I'm riding my bike around town selling weed and um, getting weed from these people that kind of locked me into debt, fucked up my car, kept me stuck in a situation where I have to, to scrape by. And I'm and the whole time I'm freaking out. Like, are they here for me? Am I going to prison? Am I like, what the fuck's going on? Like, this is a, a, a year and a half prior to this. I was going to school. I had a fucking a few thousand dollars saved up. I was working. I was almost done. And then just horrible like, relationship into drug use, into this and it was just like everything kind of boom 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 just not find my footing Mm -hmm. so um that summer or like in 2016 the undercover cop guy wanted to take me on a trip out to the coast and and i i guess i should mention this too because i knew he was selling weed and um so he wanted to commission me to, to make a, to do a painting for him. And his whole idea on this painting was to, um, was to, to do like a map of the road that he travels from the Northwest all the way, all these locations where he like picks up weight from, you yeah. know? So it's kind of a cool idea, but like I, part of me wonders if this was like the idea he was throwing out to kind of like make me look more incriminated uh-huh. To make it to make it seem as if like I was some major drug dealer that like produced art about my crimes, like trying to set you up or like yeah. something against a you. case, yeah, in case yeah. you come later or something. Yeah, weird. Like, well, when I when I finished that piece, um, <laughs> I finished that piece and I didn't really stick to what exactly what he wanted, so he couldn't really use it, and he bought it anyway. <laughs> so it was just kind of funny how it played out. Sometimes I think like angels are watching out for me because like I really didn't follow his guidelines and it would not be very incriminating to show that art. I have it posted on my Instagram even, you know, mm-hmm. um, but um, so he takes me on this trip because there was kind of a point where um, I think they had talked about like, should we, the way I liken it is to like a multi-level marketing thing. It's like, cop shows up into town and he starts recruiting informants to be involved with the, um, whatever operation, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think they had discussed about maybe getting me hired, putting me on payroll or something. Cause he wanted to take me on this trip. So we go on this trip from like Northwest Montana over to, um, Seattle kind of down the coast, down to Medford or we know it was like, Northwest, Spokane, Seattle, um, a spot in 
Oregon, down to Medford, and some shitty town right below Medford, back up to Corvallis, and then back across over back to Spokane and back to the valleys. Like this trip is pretty um, important to the entire story because this is where it's kind of really clicking. Like this is like a really bad situation I found myself in. Mm-hmm. Where I'm picking up weight with this undercover cop. Um, there's people I'm meeting on the way. I think that they want to hire me. My, I still can't walk really. I found some pills in the dumpster, which was pre- I found like a like a laundry basket that had like an old laptop, an old iPhone, a bottle of pills, a bottle of SSRIs. Like they could even be setting you up or something weird too. Well, no, I, would, I know it was the neighbors because she she like went, but but that's funny you say that because on the trip he was like he was like what if um he was like what if what what if cracking that laptop and getting into it was like was kind of like your uh application to get into the fbi like what do you think of that idea and i, and I was like I, I was like i don't know if i'd be smart enough to be in the fbi you know and kind of just downplayed it but uh, i think that was kind of like him testing the waters to see if i wanted to be an informant dang and it's you know it's like flattering and all guys but like i'm not gonna try and put people in fucking prison like some yeah. piece of shit you know yeah. what I mean? Especially over drugs. Like if there's like a serious, like dangerous criminal, but like, I don't want to see people going to fucking prison over like some dumb decisions, bullshit. Yeah. And it's not like in Northwest Montana, you're breaking up like serious drug rings, maybe meth dealers, but like, no, like serious, like gang members or anything. It's a, uh-huh. it's not a very hostile environment, especially compared to other places where they have to have DEA and um, gang task forces and this kind of thing. So we're on this trip, right? And it's, this is kind of the vibe, like right when we're getting kind of out of the valley, like out into this area before we cross over to Washington, we're just sitting there looking at the clouds, dude. And it's like starts pouring rain. And I remember just like looking at it. I'm like, man, it's like ominous as fuck. Like looking out at like the clouds rolling in, there's like a lightning and thunderstorm in the background. Like we're just about to leave Montana. And it was just like, (laughs) It was just like a bad omen of like what was about to happen. We go out on this trip. We're getting out through Spokane and meet some of his friends. We have like dinner or whatever. I meet one guy. We go out to lunch. Meet another guy. We go to his house. He drops him off like some gummies or bullshit, you know, and it's like all fine. I'm just trying to play it cool. But now it's really in my head. Like I was introduced to this guy. I think he's a cop. Turns out all of my friends that I've been hanging out with for two years were informants. And now I'm in the car with this guy and he's like trying to recruit me. Mm-hmm. And um, when we get out towards the coast, like I had mentioned, it was like, man, it's probably a good idea to sell a little bit of Coke for me. Like for me personally to sell a little bit of Coke to just like scrape by. It's like I can make a few deals and just like scrape by until my legs healed, pay off my medical bills because there's no insurance. But like, I, I don't know how he views me or some like a threat or competition or something, but he pretty much pretty much like, Oh, like this guy's like a piece of shit drug dealer. He's never going to change. It's kind of his attitude towards me, mm-hmm. but really it's just like, I had so much serious trauma happening. And you got to think like the whole year prior when I was getting to know him before the trip, um, we got along and we partied and it was fine. And like, you know, I felt like sometimes he would say things that were like, he was trying to fuck with me about being an informant or a cop or whatever. But like on this trip, it became very clear that this person is not my friend. 
Um, right, right. So at one point, we had to stop by this guy's house in Medford. Well, there was a series of things. I, I had mentioned the Coke thing. He picked up an eight ball of Coke, and we were doing it. He was doing it like he couldn't stop doing it. Like he was hitting a point where he was like getting out of the car and throwing up. And I'm like, hey, man, like let's just slow down. We don't have to do a key bump every three minutes. We could just do one like every 40 minutes or something, you know, because I don't really have a Coke problem. So it's just like to see someone that has a Coke problem, they're just boom, 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 go, go, go. And I'm kind of like, it, it's, it's kind of gets boring after the first few hours, you know. Uh -huh. And, um, but like when he picked up, he's like, Oh, so you want to be a Coke dealer, huh? And like, we just started yeah. doing lines. He was trying to like get me to do lines. It was kind of like a fatherly thing. If like catch your kid smoking cigarettes, you force him to smoke the whole pack. He was kind of doing that, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I kept trying to put it away and kept trying to put it away. And it was kind of like not really into it. This neighborhood when I was young, I, I was probably like in uh, second grade or something. He got yeah. uh, smoking and his dad made him eat the whole pack. Like oh. one <laughs> he got, yeah. Dang. Oh, you'd be puking so bad. So, 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 doing the coke. At one point, we make this stop, and he's like, "Hey, like, you can't come inside for this one." And we're like, out in the middle of nowhere. They're going after some farmer, like some dude, like like this dude. He said it was his sister's friend, who's like her dance partner, her best friend. But like, he's just like this slender, athletic dark-skinned dude and they had to go do some shit together and i remember both of them like cocking their guns and getting off going off in their car like like i'm just stuck at this ice cream spot in some podunk town you never heard of probably couldn't even find on the map you know there's like uh -huh. a dairy queen an ice cream shop and a little yeah. like a store like a rest or like a um grocery store with like a deli that, seriously that was it in a bar like that was i don't know where we are they go, he's like, sorry, you can't come with us. I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll just wander around, charge my phone, and see when we get back. And they came back. And I just remember thinking that was so fucking weird. Like, now another guy's showing up. We are coking the car. This guy definitely is not acting like someone I'd want to be around. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they leave and come back. And I'm like, I'm getting really suspicious. And they, it seemed like a whole group of, uh, like well, they were a whole group of um, informants or something or operatives. Well, I think he's an undercover cop and I think that he's like on some like deep cover shit mm -hmm. where he does the drug runs for like black budget. That's what I really think. And I think that he does some dealing outside of this to fund himself. And I think that that's part of the payroll. I think that he gets to sell huh? compensate him, kind of. Yeah. And plus like he knew so much, you know, wow. um, one so we get down to Medford, and this is where it was, like, really creepy. We get down to Medford, and he's got to, like, go to this dude's house. And I'm, like, out in the car waiting. And um, I'm really freaking out. I'm, like, I've been out, I've been here for two hours. And I use the bathroom. There's, like, cars circling around that I don't, I don't even know where I am. It's kind of like an industrial warehouse area. I'm, like, what the fuck? Um, and I text him, like, hey, can I use the bathroom? I got to use the bathroom. And, like, this is when it's dawning on me. Like I'm in a bad situation. Like it's just the just I could feel that uh -huh. like I was like surrounded, but not because of me. 
if that makes sense. Like he's doing a drug deal with some drug dealer and I'm in the car. So I look bad. Right. But really it was like cops, maybe undercover circling the place to keep an eye on what might happen inside the house. Wow. This is just my assumption though. Uh-huh. So the dude, he's like, yeah, you can come and use the bathroom. He's like, the business is done now. So it doesn't matter. I'm like, okay, cool. Thanks man. Like, you know, no problem. Use the bathroom in there for a minute. And I keep thinking, I'm like, I should leave him a note that this guy's an undercover cop, but I don't want to be murdered. Mm-hmm. And I need to like warn this guy that this is not his friend. So I'm coming back out. The undercover cop guy and the, the dude that lived at this house, they go to shake hands, dude. And this dude's pit bull growls at the undercover cop's hand when they go to shake hands. And I was like, oh, I was like, you know, he's a little irritable or something. But um, they go to shake hands again and the dog growls at the cop again. And then a third time before they just give each other a fist bump. And I'm watching this because, you know, like dogs, you know, they have good intuition. They know what's up. And I'm just like that just confirmation that like this is a bad dude. Like a dog doesn't like him. Like that is a bad fucking that's, sign, that's, dude. That's definitely a sign. Yeah. I'm going to play a t- uh, video real quick and let sure. you think I'm talking. Um, <clears throat> so. This is a video from the CIA on a a, uh, targeting uh, operation, and let's just see what they're talking about. The best targeting officers are really curious people. With my job, there's always something more than what you see on the surface. Honestly, that's a little like me. You might not expect it, but I'm a single mom. It's made me so proud to take my son abroad and change his outlook on life. And the agency truly helped me do that. So there's that. And then I'm going to play this one. Our nation's national security staff regarding a new intelligence collection requirement. While my team was confident that we could acquire information from existing sources, we also knew we'd need new sources to complete the picture. That's where I come in. I'm a targeting officer. My job is to figure out where we can get information our nation needs. The more potential sources I can identify, the better the chances are that operations officers can successfully complete our mission. Being a targeting officer is a tremendous challenge. You have to be part detective, part analyst, and part data scientist. You need to be a creative, critical thinker who loves to dig for information. I guess as much as anything, I'm a problem solver and not easily frustrated. After all, my country is looking to me to find ways to get access to information it needs, but can't get any other way. The information is almost always out there. I just have to find it. My job as a targeting officer gives me a seat at the table and a voice in operations. I work mostly from CIA headquarters in Washington, DC, but I have opportunities to travel abroad. That's the perfect mix for me. If research is your passion, apply your skills to clandestine operations and discover the truth for our nation. Become a targeting officer. Wow. And, uh, you know, that's just uh, the glorified, like, what they're showing the public to get them yeah. in um, type shit, right? So, yeah, it's, like, it's real sinister. Yeah, it's uh, state-funded torture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Harassment. To, you know, um, harassment, yeah. gang stalking, yeah, like, all that. Yeah. You know, sounds like they were this group that you were involved with was some was somewhat doing the same thing, right? Well, 
they're all up my ass, like in my phone, my computer. They would mention shit. They, they would mention stuff like if I had a, a text conversation with someone through text later on, they would reference that to kind of fuck with me to be like, we saw what you were talking about, but without saying as much. Right. And like, I don't know, man. It's <laughs> that actually like kind of made me sweat. Cause some, yeah. some, some shit just triggers a paranoia a little bit for sure. Well, we're, you know, they, the, a lot of times too, they have these private companies. So like the CIA does that, but then they have private companies that do this too. And they get away with a yeah. lot of stuff. Kind of like oh, a yeah. Blackwater type. Yeah. Me, you know, so yeah. not, um, I'm going to put the link in the audience in case anyone wants to pop in on this, just copy and paste this. Um, and Ben with a pen, you can follow him on um, Instagram, you know, uh, yeah, but why, uh, why don't you continue on with anything you want to? Uh, yeah. And then, uh, I mean, this is, you know, a fascinating uh, story you got. So I, I got to back up real quick to um, 2015. Right, this actually might have been 2016. But um, Jake, the original informant that I had known, like, the one that introduced me to all these people that were kind of like circling me in the fucking shark tank, you know? Um, there was like a point where I was downstairs at his place. He went upstairs for a second. I was kind of just poking around his computer. And um, I, I was kind of, I'll come back to the trip in a minute because that's a pretty key element. But um, there was a point where I was like poking around his computer and kid went upstairs. So I'm just being like a nosy friend, you know, nothing like malicious necessarily, but came across this folder that said jailbait. And I like opened it up. And I'm like, oh, jailbait, you know, what the fuck is that? And it's like all these like teenage girls or younger, like all oh. taking selfies. Uh-huh. And then it was just like on some child pornography shit for sure. Cause it just they just it just you know when you see an adult versus when you see a child, like you know what I mean? Yeah. Just like underdeveloped, not I was able to like, jailbait, you know. Uh, uh-huh. That that's weird how it was labeled jailbait. Um yeah. One targeting officer that I actually talked to that was a targeting officer, yeah, they actually that's like in their manual. Basically, these guys will they like to use um, foreign nationals to operate as gang stalkers. They like to use uh, convicts, people they can blackmail, and then they like to um, be able to blackmail them. And uh, this one dude was telling me that's basically one of the ways they do it. Um, so do you think they were like into weird shit or yeah, oh yeah, given this stuff to like plant on people or something? Yeah. Well, so um the guy that told me that they were informants at one point, like during that summer in 2015, like he had told me that Jake, the original informant, like they had ditched me to go to some house party and the uh-huh. next day, like he, he told me that they stayed at that house party so he could hook up with some 15-year-olds. Oh, fuck. So, so like, that, I was in yeah. This, yeah. So, and then he has this folder on his computer, so you stumble across this, but, like, they're operating as almost like law enforcement, but, like, you don't know for sure, you know? And I, so, think, I think they're bad actors 
staged as drug dealers trying to find drug dealers to to put away oh wow okay that's what i think uh the informants at least not the main cop do you think that ties into the Pizzagate uh, thing? Like, would would these people be like some kind of gatekeepers of like the, um, you know how they have that comet ping pong guy and all that shit, and and uh, people speculate there's uh, well there actually is like these tunnels in Washington D.C. and all yeah. these weird uh, underground portions yeah. of the cities and stuff, and they found tunnels under the Playboy Mansion, and and the blueprints show that. And, um, you know, it, it makes you wonder like tunnels um, under voodoo donuts in Portland, like how does all this tie in? And uh, do you think these people were connected to that level? I I don't know. I think that they're, I think that they're pretty genuine when they say they like want to get like human traffickers, meth dealers, heroin dealers, gun runners off the streets. I think they were posing as like low level dealers to kind of integrate into that part of the Northwest so that they could sell drugs, make money and get paid to inform on people. And then like get like the hard drug dealers off out of there. That's a trip. Now. Um, I mean, I guess, um, you know, law enforcement have all sorts of operations, but they're also the ones like running the drugs into the country. Like they know bringing it up to Mexico, like all this yeah. stuff. Right. Uh, so essentially it's like um the FBI there's articles in the mainstream where it, it talks about how uh the FBI's created more terror plots and facilitated more terror attacks. Yeah. And you know then they basically don't really investigate this stuff. They're like facilitating it. Um they, they take out the competition that are doing the thing that their operation wants them to do. You know? Yeah, it almost sounds like that too. Something like that, like some kind of That's weird. That's what I think. Yeah, group that goes in and like infiltrates, you know, or something. That's right. Well, That's so at one point when I had a group of friends I partied with, they were actually like close, real friends. We'd all hang out, make art together, and then there's the informant friends. They like wanted to hang out with my other friends, and like that's, I mean, you know. I didn't really want to introduce him because I knew that he was an informant. I had been told that, but I ended up doing it because I was kind of just naive, just kind of looking past it. And just, you know, probably nothing will come of it. But instead of trusting my gut, you got to think like I'm on a lot of drugs and like Adderall specifically messes with your, your stomach lining. And, you know, like your intuition comes from your stomach. And so it's just, I wasn't really trusting my gut, but I, I had that feeling and, at one point, he told me, he was, he was like, yeah, like these people you hang out with, he was pretty much just like, we hung out at this place called The Ballroom, which uh-huh. it was an old ballroom, but it got turned into like a bunch of studio or like bedrooms for like a big apartment flat. Oh, weird. And, yeah, it was a cool place, yeah. Um, you know, my close friends and I, we'd hang out till four or five in the morning, like making art and taking ecstasy and partying and listening to music, you know, just a really fun time. And um at one point, him and the cop were like, yeah, like that seems like the kind of place cops would actually want to infiltrate. Because I would talk to him about the cop stuff, but like not in an accusatory way. Because it was, I just, what, what do you think of this idea? How, what's a safer way to be a drug dealer? This kind of shit, you know? Yeah. It and, sounds the type of uh, cops, too, that they have these cops that go to raves and shit. And they just, yeah. 
watch drug deals go down and everything. They don't care. Like, mm -hmm. kind of like he would do that. Like the main cop guy would do that. He would come to these. And you got to think this guy's like thirty six. We're going at like parties and shit with like people from the age of like probably twenty to like twenty seven to like thirty. This guy's like almost forty. Uh -huh. It was like it was weird. He would show up and like with a bunch of coke and shit and share it with people, but it was like, like you really don't fit in in this place. Uh, yeah, he tried to cover his face when people were filming and shit, but I'm like oh, the only one observant enough to like see. Uh huh. Yeah, definitely. Like sounds like he, you know, these guys were running some type of weird operation oh. involved in sorts of shit. Yeah. Um. All right, so let's cut back to the trip. We're on the trip. We're leaving Medford. Uh, I saw the dog growl at the dude's hand. We're coming up the freeway, dude. It's probably two or three in the morning. Pretty tired, but kind of awake. I'm on high alert. And coming up the freeway, I'm like, hey, do you notice that car back there? Like, we took a left, and that thing cut right behind us. Um, you know, That thing cut right behind us when we took a left. It was, like, super fast. He's like, what? You saw that? And I was like, yeah, man. I'm, like, kind of freaked out. But he said it like, what? You saw that? Like, I wasn't supposed to see that. Like, he said it like he was surprised I was aware enough to notice. Yeah. And then, and then, like, we're on the freeway, and, like, it just, I guess when you get this aware of your surroundings, you just start noticing weird shit. But, like, it seemed like every fucking car that was around us when we were going up the freeway was black. Four-door sedans. All of them happens in gang stalking this is like a common tactic where yeah you know they'll all set out they have these crews and yeah they'll all wear like green t-shirts or like yeah. cars so yeah. so that went on so like what did you notice like all just like black cars everywhere there were we it was almost i thought it was kind of like a chaperone kind of deal like he's got a bunch of weight in the car coming out of some drug deal and then like he's surrounded by other feds that so he can't get pulled over oh shit that's what was going through my mind that sounds legit dude like something like that too and then like finally like the we keep going and going and like finally the um the like the traffic kind of clears out and then it's probably like three or four in the morning dude and we see this um I could have swore I kept seeing like a blue light right in the back of our car. Like I thought he was flipping a switch that turned on like an internal cop light. Mm -hmm. But I like never really caught him doing it because he's kind of half asleep. But I keep getting like a blue flash. I'm like, what the fuck? These cars would go around. So I'm like, what the hell? And finally, I'm like, I can't sleep. I'm like so on edge. I can't sleep. So I just, I'm, I'm super focused. And all of a sudden, this like blue Mustang, you know, like those like newer. Blue Mustangs, little two-door coupe ones, flying down the road. It's got to be going 100 fast. Two car, two cop cars right behind it on both sides, one on each side with their lights on. I'm like, what the fuck? I was like, what the hell was that? And um, he's like, yeah, sometimes when there's a big drug bust, cops will follow behind the car with all the drugs in it um, so they can get it back to the station quicker. And I was like, how the fuck do you know that? Like, that's so weird that you would know that. Why do you know that? That doesn't sound like something. Yeah. That's, that's... not like low-level drug dealer shit to know. Why would you know that? I was really suspicious of that. And it, and it, I'm like, why aren't they pulling him over? And that's what he told me. Was that like sometimes they'll get, um, not a chaperone, but a, um, I don't know, they'll like create like a caravan or whatever to get it back to the station quick. 
So like he's just he just keeps saying like things like this that's kind of like he knows more than what he should, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, by the end of it, he kind of lets up his like um, facade or you know like this fake acting personality, and like he's kind of a little bit more open and kind of like kind of like saying shit to like make fun of me, like. Like kind of like condescending, like not in a very friendly way, but it's like it became like condescending in a way that was like, I know about you and you're like going to, you know, this is going to be hell for you, essentially. Yeah. And and but I'm like too freaked out. I know he wanted to hire me, but then it like turned into like now, like I'm on the shit list. Uh huh. When we're coming back, um, there was one point on the trip. We're coming back on this road and there was this like. You know those little those newer um, Volkswagen bugs. There was like a yellow racing one, dude, and this thing would fly past us. We're on like a two-lane highway out in the or road out in the middle of nowhere, going through the hills. This thing would fly past us, going fucking 120, and then would come back towards us, going 120, and it was just like zipping past us and then back and then past us and back. Yeah. And I'm just like, is it just like going down to check each other the road in case we get so we don't get pulled over? It can like tip us off. That's weird. It was weird, dude. And um, this is what's going through my head, you know. And but he still hasn't told me outright told me that he's a cop. But I'm just observing this, you know. And there's like so many other things that happened like on this one particular trip. But even after the trip, when we got back, I was like, I have to. I owed him a little bit of money. At one point, I went to pay him some money. So I'm in like in a bad situation, you know, I still can't walk. I fucking definitely can't work. Like, a, you know, it's like not good. So I, I'm in a little bit of debt to him, a very like $800. And I went to pay him a hundred bucks or $200. You know, I went to pay him a hundred bucks one day, just like, Hey, I'm just starting making payments on this, blah, blah, blah. And, um, I came back like a week later with some more money and I was like, yeah, I give you that other hundred. So it's down to X amount. And then his roommate, started accusing me like you didn't fucking pay us that money you fucking owe us a hundred dollars and then he's like what like you you owe us another so they started accusing me of stealing from them but like it was just like they're high out of their minds and like paranoid too because their like whole house is full of fucking guns and weed and drugs and fucking child pornography and it's it sounds like that uh it reminds me of that movie training day too all at the same time yeah, it's like some weird like, and but also, if you think about it, they're saying like they're investigating these traffickers and stuff, but they might be the ones doing it, and then that's like a cover. So you like you don't even know, like you know, that yeah, could I mean? be it's like weird. Could be for sure. Um, when we got back, I was trying to like distance myself, and then I started really getting serious about my paranoia, like. That- my awareness, situational awareness, my, I need to be super cautious. Anything can lead to like my arrest. I know for sure they got me on something, but it never happened. They never came and got me. And that's what's so confusing that at one point I moved out of Whitefish to Kalispell, which is, you know, like 20 minutes south of Whitefish. Mm-hmm. Whitefish is like the bougie ski resort town. Kalispell is kind of like just the, um, kind of small town vibes. Um, I moved down there. I'm staying with a friend. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? Like at this point, like I don't have a car. I still can't really work. I'm like doing a ton of drugs. I owe this guy money. 
And um, he still, like, wants to hire. So he got sick. The cop guy got sick. He had, like, some intestinal issues because he was driving so much between the valley and the coast that he was just, like, eating, like, shit in the car. Just, like, it messed up his stomach. And so he wanted to hire me as a driver. But I didn't know if he was, like, trying to set me up to, like, go to fucking prison for life. So I didn't take the job. But it was, like, they wanted to get me to, like, do their fucking operation with them by just being, like, on the payroll as a driver. You know, I'll pay you, like, 4K. You go do the trip, you know, twice a month in the weekends. Uh-huh. They'll give you 4K for a trip. Something like this, you know. But I, I didn't know if they were just trying to set me up. Like, who am I going to be meeting on the other end of this trip? You know, like, that's mm-hmm. bad. And... I was like, what if I get busted? He's like, well, I'll be right there if you do, you know, or like, you know, I'll have a lawyer for you, whatever. But it was just like, I don't trust you at all. After mm-hmm. all the shit you've talked to me, talked to me, at me, all the things you told me you've done, um, just like the accusing me of stealing from you, the fact that like I suspect you're a cop, the fact that these people that are surrounding me are informants. Like like I don't trust this. Trying to recruit you the whole time, basically. I think so. Yeah. And I, and I think once it really came out that like these guys are definitely informants, I started telling a few people. Um, I think that's about when the gang stalking shit really started taking off because at this point that there wasn't really gang stalking, which is kind of like a I'm, my phone's getting fucked with by these people. Um, there's kind of like an element of like being aware of my surroundings. Am I being followed? Am I being watched? Like, are these just cops monitoring me to make sure I don't say anything about what I've just seen inside of that house? This is kind of what I'm thinking. But then, like, once it became clear I was disconnecting from them, like, that's when the gang stalking shit really took off. Like, they kicked it in. Right. It was like, okay, this guy's a problem. He can't just be going. We just started this operation. We're doing, like, some black op shit. We're all informants. This This guy can't be running around telling people that were informants and undercover cops, we have to get rid of them. This is how I, this is pretty much what I thought was going on. And I, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that that is exactly what happened. There was a point where we went on a trip to Missoula, which is like me and the cop did. Cause I still loaded of money and I'm still like being naive. It's like, I'm not trusting my gut, which is like so irresponsible, but like going on this trip to Missoula and um, it was like, he like wanted to buy, rent a house in Missoula to have like a kind of like um just like a trap house out in the middle of nowhere. He's like, what if you just like took that job? You could just be at the safe house and you just hold down the safe house right out of town. And then just if people need to pick up stuff, they can. I was like, I don't trust you at all. Like I'm not going to sit in some house when I know you're a cop. I'm not going to sit in some house full of drugs, and guns and fucking just wait for the shit to go down. Like I'm not yeah. the whole, the whole yeah. time this shit's happening, dude. Like, I'm just a fuck. I'm just like a, just an artist up in the Northwest. I'm not some fucking kingpin drug dealer. They're like treating me as if I'm like, like some like big time, like drug dealer or trying to give me that image or assuming that's the image I want. This is not who I am, but they're keep acting as if like, I'm just okay with everything going on, but never really asking or noticing they just kind of keep pushing me into this lifestyle by like fucking with my car, getting me in debt. Like I'm kind of wrapped around their finger and I don't really have a lot of other options, but I'm trying to disconnect from them because I know too much about their bullshit, you know? So this is what's happening. And when we went on this trip, I owed him a little bit of money. And the best I could figure is that 
I might have been venting to one of my friends and they might have heard it. You know, like they have those app, they have they can hack your phone and turn on your microphone so they can listen in oh, on your yeah. conversation. But the best I can figure is that I was venting to a friend talking shit about these people and they got pissed about it. But uh-huh. um and so because they're, they're like then they like started fucking with you even more. Yeah, because when I was in Missoula, he's he brought me off and I'm like it was Halloween and uh, it's kind of rainy out. I brought a little bit of ecstasy or no, I had someone bring it up because it was just like one of the last opportunities to get it. The person that was originally selling it was in school in a different town. Mm-hmm. And when he graduated, he said, I'm not doing this anymore. It's like, I'm going to go get a job making like 150,000 a year. Like I don't need to be taking this risk. And I was kind of like, thank God, because I've been abusing the substance. I don't want to be that involved. I don't want to have it around. And this is kind of just good timing except for like these people just kept like fucking with me. It's like, it was good timing for me to move on from that. But these people wanted to like create situations where I couldn't fully move on from that. If that makes sense. Right. Right. Well, uh, Ben with a pen is our guest. We're out of time for today. We're going to have to do a part two. Ben. Part two and three. We haven't even made it to Arizona yet. And a lot of stuff. Uh, check out Ben with a pen on Instagram. Also support the broadcast, support the show. So I can keep everything going. I'm about ready to lose it all over here, guys. So yeah, subscribe, do all that, make a pledge. I really could use it. Everything helps. You're listening to the Shepherd Ambella Show. Airs Monday through Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. We're on Sunday now because I didn't go on on Friday. So just kind of making up for that. But uh, we'll uh, see you guys tomorrow. And I appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, have a good one. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.